today we're talking about sex. That's right. Sexual abuse, sexual coercion. It's a tough topic, but not enough people are talking about it. And it is so important. So that's what we're going to cover today. Welcome to Through the Fire, a podcast about how to live life while experiencing emotional abuse. Each week, I'll share my experiences with you, and we'll break down the lessons I've learned and help you apply them to your own life so that we can all start living with joy and purpose while learning how to keep ourselves safe and sane. What is sexual coercion? Well, the first thing to recognize about sexual coercion is that it's a spectrum, right? There's everything from very subtle pressures up to forcible rape and everything in between. So... It can be really confusing to navigate, and it can be something that is really painful to experience. A lot of times you feel like something is off, but you don't exactly know what. So some examples of sexual coercion are people saying that you owe them. You owe them sex because you are in a relationship, or because you've done it before, or because they spent money on you or bought you gifts. You never owe somebody sex, but that is something that unhealthy folks and abusers will use to pressure you into doing something that you don't want to do. Another form of sexual coercion is badgering you, just wearing you down, just constantly begging for it, pressuring you to do it, to do things that you don't want to do, even if it's not intercourse, you know, any kind of sexual contact, getting you drunk or drugging you. That is a form of sexual coercion. It's much harder to say no to sex when you are inebriated. And unfortunately, abusers know this. If you don't give it to me, I'll get it elsewhere. That is something that I've heard in a few different variations. I even had a friend whose boyfriend literally told her that in those words. If you're not going to sleep with me, I'm going to find someone who will. Another way that people coerce you into performing sex acts that you don't want to do is to act resentful, angry, or sad because you say no. This is something that I had to deal with in many of my relationships is people pouting because I'm not in the mood. If I wasn't feeling up to it, if I had a headache, if I was on my menstrual cycle and I just didn't want to get messy and I just didn't want to deal with it, I would be having to face pouty, sad face, guilt trips, anger, accusations, right? That's another thing that that they'll use is they'll accuse you of cheating on them if you don't want to have sex with them. Which, as we know, a lot of times you just don't feel safe enough to be intimate with someone. And in my case, where I'm at right now is I don't feel safe enough to be intimate with anyone. Not my ex-partner and not anybody new. I know that it's going to take me a long time before I get back to a place where I feel comfortable burying my soul like that. Another aspect of sexual coercion is if you feel threatened if you say no. For example... If you say yes because you know that if you say no, it's going to result in a big fight, a blow up, if they get triggered, if they get angry, if they break things, anytime where you feel unsafe saying no, that is sexual coercion. And I want to make this very clear. If you're afraid to say no, that is not consent. There's a lot of people who come away from a sexual experience feeling guilty, feeling dirty, feeling used. And they don't understand why, because they agreed to it. But if you are coerced into saying yes, because you feel unsafe, or you feel afraid, if you feel guilty, 
That is not the same thing as willfully saying, yes, you want to do this. And coercion is the cornerstone of sexual abuse. And like I said, I just need to say it again. If you're having sex because you're afraid that they're going to get angry or be dangerous or make you feel unsafe, that is a major red flag that you're in an abusive situation and you need to get help. In the show notes on my website, in the description of this podcast, I have a link to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and I highly recommend you call them. They're extremely helpful. They can give you great advice, and they can help you make sense of the situation that you're in. If you just need to talk to somebody, I highly, highly recommend calling a domestic violence hotline. They are incredibly beneficial. So I want to give you some examples of sexual coercion and abuse throughout my relationships. I know this podcast really focuses on my most recent relationship, but I have been in a string of abusive relationships and there is some aspect of sexual abuse in almost every single one. So my ex-husband was a porn addict and it made me feel super uncomfortable and it made me feel unworthy. It made me feel like I wasn't good enough. I thought that I needed to be like the porn stars that he was watching in order to keep him satisfied. I thought that's what men wanted, and I thought even though it felt like I was putting on a show rather than just doing what I wanted to do to enjoy myself, I thought that's what sex was. That's what got me the love and the intimacy that I was craving, and that's just how it was. Now that I've grown and evolved a little bit, I realize that I don't need to put on a show, (laughs) that someday I'm going to find somebody who loves me for me, who really just wants to share a nice moment, who wants to do what's going to make me feel good. I'm going to want to do what makes them feel good. And it's not going to be about trying to live up to some unrealistic expectations to make sure my partner doesn't cheat on me. So I thought, like I said, I needed to put on this fancy show in order to keep him satisfied, but it didn't work. He kept watching porn and he kept getting worse and worse. He started cheating on me, which I had a gut feeling that he was doing, but I didn't want to admit it to myself. I would make excuses. I was in denial about that. I didn't want to believe it, that I had been married and I felt like I was safe and it wasn't true. I wasn't safe. And that was pretty humiliating. I remember one time I talked to him about going to the doctor and I thought how nice it was that I could decline my STD tests because we were pretty young and it was just standard procedure. And I told him that it was nice to feel comfortable and safe to not have to do that. And his response to me was, well, you should get checked anyway, just to be safe. And I got angry. I got really angry because what that sounded like to me was that he was cheating on me, that there's a possibility he might bring home an STD and that I need to keep myself safe even from my husband. And that was really hurtful. That fight ended up turning into a big ordeal because he said that's not what he meant but I couldn't really get out of him like what he did actually mean by that. Fast forward a little bit, he ended up bringing home an STD. Thankfully, I didn't catch it, but he did, and it was a very awkward conversation. That relationship culminated with the ultimate violation. So after me going above and beyond and trying everything he wanted to try and doing everything he wanted to do, in order to keep him satisfied, in order to make sure that I was being a good wife, he decided that he didn't want to really sleep with me anymore. And towards the end of our relationship, I was the one that was constantly begging for some kind of intimacy. He said things to me like, I needed to just take care of it myself. 
and that I should start watching porn and he didn't care about my needs basically and that was so hurtful and after a few months of him constantly rejecting me we went to a party and I got drugged I'm not sure who did it if it was him or somebody else but we went home and I don't remember anything from the night the next morning I won't go into details because it's a pretty horrendous story but it ended up with him saying the words to me, I raped you last night. And the details of that story that he told me are disgusting and revolting and make me want to throw up when I think about them. And I'm embarrassed to admit that I stayed with him for a few more months after that. He was leaving to go to school out of town. And so I didn't have to see him for those last few months, but I didn't officially end things for a little while after that. But two weeks later, right before he left, he asked me when I was going to get over that and if I was going to basically like keep throwing it in his face, what he did to me and when I was just going to be okay again. And it was a horrible feeling to have somebody say to you, I raped you. And then two weeks later say, aren't you over that yet? Like two weeks. And looking back on things, I think I would do it a little bit different. I wouldn't wait so long to leave. I would realize that if somebody is raping me, they definitely don't have my best interests at heart. They are never going to care about my well-being emotionally or physically, and I wouldn't hang on any longer than that. I should have been the day that I left. But like I said, he was going out of town. It wasn't much longer after that. I couldn't deal. But the, the point of this story is that it's not your duty to perform. Even if you're married to somebody, you can still be raped. You can still be abused sexually. After that marriage, I was in a really dark place. Obviously, I went through a lot and I was kind of hopeless. I felt like I was never going to meet a worthwhile human being and that whatever relationship I was in was going to be terrible. So I should just deal with whatever comes my way because I wasn't going to be happy anyway So I might as well just put up with whatever I had at the moment. And that led me into a very, very horrible relationship with a malignant narcissist who abused me many different ways. And one of the ways that he abused me was sexually. And this relationship more closely followed like the typical narcissist evolution, right? They had really wild, crazy, amazing sex in the beginning. It was like mind-blowing, like the neighbors were talking about it because they could hear. It was so embarrassing. But it was just wild and passionate and crazy. And a lot of narcissists are really great lovers, at least in the beginning of the relationship, because it gives them a boost. They get to feel so proud of themselves. Like, oh, what a good lover I am. They can't resist me. I'm, I'm magical in the bedroom. You know, it makes them feel good about themselves. Being a great lover has nothing to do with the other person. In healthy people, you want to be good in bed because you care about the other person's happiness. You want them to feel good. It makes you feel good to know that they feel good. In a narcissist's mind, it makes them feel good to know that they're the best and it's all about them, right? If you put a mirror in the bedroom, they would probably stare at themselves the whole time just thinking about how incredible they are and how you're never going to find anybody better than them and they're the best thing since sliced bread and it's kind of gross, Then after a while, he started getting a little bit more demanding. 
Like he had a special chair that he sat in. And when he, he said, when I sit in this chair, it means that I want this one thing and you better just know it and do it. He used to say, when I say I'm hungry, it's code for I want sex and I expect to be fed. That became really confusing because as a relationship progressed, I could never tell if he was actually hungry or if he wanted sex. And it was very frustrating because if I gave him the wrong thing, he would get irritated. Another thing that he used to do is he used to bite me really, really hard and leave marks. And in the beginning of the relationship, a little nibble here and there, it's kind of cute, a little bit of pain. You're like, oh, out a little too far, you know, but it's still kind of exciting, wild, passionate. But at some point, he used to bite me so hard that he would leave bruises that would last for weeks. And I remember after I left him, it was months later and I could still see marks on my body and I would just cry. It would make me so sad to, to know that I had this like evidence of being so horribly mistreated And I was afraid that they were never going to go away. And over time, they did fade. But that's what our sexual relationship turned into. It turned into like branding and and marking me to make sure that I wasn't able to be with anybody else. And he didn't care about whether I was hurt or whether I felt good. It was all about him and what he wanted. He wanted, you know, threesomes. He wanted all kinds of degrading and painful things for me. And it didn't matter what I wanted. What I wanted was completely irrelevant. And at the end of the relationship, what ended up happening was I helped him find an apartment and he talked about me moving in, but he ended up moving somebody else in while we were still dating, getting her pregnant because I couldn't have kids. And it was really still kind of hurtful that like I was putting up with all this horrible mistreatment and I just resigned myself to just dealing with whatever because I was so depressed and I didn't think that I was worthy of being treated well that I didn't think I was ever going to find anybody to treat me well I just decided to settle for this horrible abuse and then he ended up rejecting me anyway which is very typical of narcissists it's their pattern they idolize you in the beginning everything's amazing and wonderful and then over time they start to devalue you they stop seeing you as this amazing person and they start seeing all your flaws and problems and then they discard you which is just like what it sounds they just basically move on sometimes they'll keep you on the hook and it's a cycle where they idolize devalue discard idolize devalue discard this time I was you know discarded it's fine with me I'm out I don't need this At one point during the relationship, I remember he brought up marriage because he needed a green card and and he wanted to marry me so that he could have papers. And I put my foot down and I said, no, that is just not going to happen, which he didn't like. He did not like to hear no. But there was, you know, a mistake that I had made in the past. My other divorce was not even finalized yet. And there was no way that I was going to get married to somebody else that soon after coming out of such a terrible marriage. And then with my most recent ex, I realized there was some things that I was not going to put up with, but he was different. You know, he was a lot sweeter, a lot gentler, but he didn't like my sexuality when we first started dating. 
he told me that he was worried that I was not going to be able to be faithful to him because I was too sexual. I wanted too much sex. I was too good at it. I did a little striptease dance for him and he asked me if I was a stripper and I was so offended, you know, and I didn't want sex more than any normal person. It was the beginning of a relationship. Everything was exciting, but he constantly tore me down and he constantly criticized my sexuality until I finally just turned it off. I said, you know what, this, fine. You know, I I was kind of realizing that I couldn't get love through sex anyway, so I just wouldn't bother. I was like, if he, you know, if he wants it, he can initiate it and I will just be at his whim, basically. But I'm just not going to want it anymore because this is just too painful and it's not working. And it kind of seemed as though he was willing to be with me for me, even without the sex. And I thought that was actually pretty nice. I thought that was a step in the right direction. Turns out that it wasn't, but we'll get to that later. So he used to tell me that he was worried I could never be faithful, that I'm too sexual. And then when I did turn it off, he ended up getting upset with me over time. For a while, things were fine. It was, you know, fairly regular, fairly normal, like, I guess what a normal relationship would be. I don't even, I know that's different for everybody, but I Googled it because I wasn't sure. And it seemed like it was fairly normal. He seemed satisfied. I was fine with it. So I let things kind of coast for a while. And then after a while of it coasting along pretty steadily, he started complaining that we weren't having sex enough, that he thought I wasn't interested in him anymore, that he thought I was cheating on him, that he wanted me to initiate sex more. And at this point, I was so embarrassed and ashamed, I couldn't initiate sex. I couldn't even feel comfortable when we did have sex because he was constantly criticizing how I was, what I said, what I did, what I wanted, what I didn't want. There was... Nothing I could ever do was right in his eyes and not just in the bedroom, just in the whole relationship. Everything I did was wrong. So I was terrified to initiate sex with him for a couple of reasons. And one was that I just didn't want to do it. I didn't feel safe around him emotionally. I didn't feel comfortable opening up to him. I didn't feel comfortable being intimate with him. I just didn't want to have sex. And I tried telling him, about what happened. I told him that in the beginning of our relationship, he hurt me so bad with the rejection and the criticism that I just didn't feel comfortable anymore. I cried. I literally cried to him and told him how hurt I was. And he did not even care. He basically just said, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Or, oh, well, I didn't mean to do that. And then things just went on exactly as they were before. It's like he didn't hear me when I was talking. And that was so painful. So what do we do? With this type of abuse? What do we do to heal from this? What do we do when you're in this situation and you don't know what to do? Well, there's a couple of things. And the first thing is if you are in danger, if you're being physically violated, if you're being injured, if you're being hurt, get safe. Get yourself safe. That your safety is the number one most important thing. If somebody is willing to hurt you, physically hurt you, your life is not valuable to them. And you have to make your life valuable to you so that you can survive, so that you can keep going. So call the hotline, contact your local women's center, get support in a group or get a private therapist. Just get some support and don't stay quiet about what's going on with you. There are people who are willing to help you. 
Now, if you're in danger of being harmed, if you are in a life-threatening situation, if you feel like telling somebody about what's going on could put your life at risk, that is an even better reason for you to call a domestic violence hotline and talk to them about your options. Because escaping that type of treatment is going to be paramount in your ability to heal. It is impossible to heal if you are constantly being violated. And towards the end of my relationship, I had sex just out of obligation. I felt like I had to. I knew that if I said no, he was going to have questions. He's going to want to know why. And then I was going to be forced to make up an excuse or accidentally spill the beans about how incredibly miserable I was. And I couldn't bear to do that. So I just put up with the sex. I just did it out of obligation. I tried to make things just seem normal. But every time I just died a little bit inside. And that is such a terrible, terrible, terrible place to be. It is a horrible feeling to know that like you are sacrificing your own self in order to appease someone else. And that's not something that you should have to do. You should never have to do that. And like I said, your safety is absolutely the most important thing. So you have to do what you have to do in order to stay safe. But if you're living day to day, dreading your partner coming near you, scared of what's going to happen if you say no, I highly recommend getting out. This is something that is going to have a long-term impact on you. And when I was in my relationship, I didn't think I was going to have a long-term impact In my previous relationships, like my marriage and the narcissist, once I got out of the relationship, I felt super comfortable going back to dating. And this past relationship, having sex because I felt obligated, being criticized about how much I wanted it or how little I wanted it, and for putting up with that for so long, I am scared to meet somebody else. I am absolutely terrified to be intimate with somebody. The thought of having sex with somebody brings tears to my eyes because I don't know how I'm going to do it because I feel so unsafe and so awkward and uncomfortable in my own skin. I recently got onto Tinder just to see what was out there and I messaged a couple people, but the second they suggested going out on a date, I would unmatch. I would delete my account. I run away. I'm so terrified of people and I hate feeling like that because I've always been such a friendly person. I am afraid of men. I'm afraid of getting caught in a situation that I don't want to get caught in. I'm afraid of having to say no to people. And it's a really, really horrible thing. And I know that I have a lot of healing to do. And what I'm doing to work through that is I'm going to Codependence Anonymous. I am in a domestic violence support group. I meditate. I journal. I try to work through as much of these feelings when they come up as possible. But it's going to be a long journey for me to get back to a place where I feel safe and comfortable with someone. And if you're in a place right now where you don't feel safe and you don't feel comfortable, my best recommendation is just to start moving in the direction of getting yourself safe. Start moving in the direction of healing. Even if you can't leave right now, even if you can't change a single thing about your behavior, you can change how you feel about yourself. And you can do that through getting appropriate support. And I know I've said it twice already in this podcast, but seriously, call the domestic violence hotline. They are more helpful than you can imagine. And if you don't have a good experience with your call, call a different hotline. There's a ton of of hotlines out there, a ton of places to get support. And I didn't find the place that I go to for support until my fourth try. 
my first time calling the hotline, I got referred to a couple places. I went to one for help. I found one closer to my house, so I decided to switch to that one. They just put me on a waiting list, and I never heard back from them, which was incredibly disappointing. I went to another place. I called around to a million. It seems like I called around to every single support group and domestic violence center in Los Angeles until I found the one that feels like home to me, the one that feels supportive and loving and caring. And I'm so grateful that I found them. And I really just highly encourage you to not give up, to keep seeking support until you can find it and just keep moving forward and move in a direction of safety, move in a direction of healing, move in a direction of love for yourself. Because when you can learn to love yourself more, you're going to be able to make those tough choices that are going to be the best for you in the long run. I want you to really realize that you deserve to be treated well. You deserve to feel safe. You deserve to feel close to somebody and safe at the same time. You are worthy of having true love and intimacy in your life, not just sex and not just coercion. What you can start doing today, right this minute, is you can get your journal And you can write down, I accept me and love me just as I am. And start to believe that. Start to journal on why it is that you are putting up with this kind of treatment. Whether it's through manipulation or guilt or obligation or fear. Getting clear on what's actually happening is going to help you heal from it. And it's going to give you the clarity that you need to move in the steps of safety if you want to connect, if you need more advice, you need help, more support, join us. Join us on our Facebook group, Through the Fire, Escaping and Healing from Abuse. And if this information has been helpful for you, if you've gotten something from this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. It's really going to help get this podcast out to more people, people who need to hear this, people who are in the situation, who don't know what to do and they don't know how to get out. I want to offer them as much support as I can and help them know that they are worthy and deserving of healthy and loving relationships and that there is hope to move forward. And if you really enjoy this and you found value in this and you want to help me keep producing amazing content just like this, you can buy me a virtual coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash through the fire. Thank you so much and I will catch you next week. If there's anything that you want to hear about that we didn't cover join us in the Facebook group and you can make requests you can ask questions you can comment on this episode and other episodes and just be part of the discussion see you next week